Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. Hello, how are you? Surprisingly not tired. That's always a good thing. We're recording on a new night, so we're getting a little adjusted to the new schedule for us. We moved it up to Sunday nights, so we tried the podcast. Luckily, it's starting to come out a little bit sooner, and um, also adjusting to our new work schedules for both of us, so trying to make things a little uh, adaptive. But, uh, Robert, any games in the last few weeks? Well, I actually had a tournament yesterday. Ooh, tell, tell us about that. Well, I mean, it was fun to go to a tournament naturally on a saturday and not have to go hey work i need to not be there (laughs) but um no it was i think it was a pretty diverse meta overall we had tyranids which won the event i actually had to play them round two because i won my first round like 92 to 26 ouch oh i got (laughs) before what were you bringing (laughs) well i was bringing my custodes because i needed to refresh custodes for going to lvo the thing that happened was is somehow some way the only me and the only other custodes player got paired round one at least you know what he has in his army right well his list composition was very different than mine because i was running my here's my 12 bikes two tanks and six normal dudes um good luck (laughs) Mm. he was bringing some prosecutors trajan the banner normal kind of okay hold the button and really good stuff he brought the blade champion he brought a whole bunch of minimum squads of dudes in like mixed weapon variety one unit of bikes bike captain and then he brought two helverins which i went hmm agents of the imperium okay cool this is fine and we both started with zero command points oh <laughs> i went first and my first turn i ate and I ate a Helvrin with a Caladius on its own. And then I also, I killed two out of the three bikes with lucky missile shots because he deployed behind a building, but he deployed them widthwise instead of deep. Oh, so okay. I could either see the spears on one side of the building with my Caladius, or I could see the butt of a bike with my other squad. And it was a, well, let's see what happens. And then from there, it was just a, we were playing on Tide of Conviction, and we both, t- I took, um, I believe he took Stand Vigil, I took, we both took Banners, I know that. But overall, it was just a, it was not a fun game for him at all. I had control over that game for the entirety. Yeah, I took, I took Orc Mortalis, so the, I have to either kill Shadow Sun, Thraka, Abaddon, Gilliman, like Supreme Commander kind of stuff. Or I have to kill his most expensive unit, which was the Helvrins. <laughs> um, I got Orc, I got a full 15 points on Mortalis on turn. Oh, wow. Because I sacrificed a unit of bikes to go get bonked by Trajan, where they stayed there for like two turns to go and pick up the Helvrin. And it just, from there, it was just, no, yeah. He only scored two ter- like one turn of actual primary, and then from there I just had the rest of it. It was not fun. But, Second um, game was the Nids then? Yeah, against the guy who won the event. I kept him below 50 points until turn four where I effectively got to. It's interesting. I'm hearing more type of games like that where it's like, okay. And so it's funny because you hear so many people still talk about slow play, and then you got situations like that where like it was close, and then I didn't have an army left anymore. So then they were able to pick up the extra points. So, Well... He's playing Kraken Nids, and I think every single time I've had to play against Nids, I've had to go first, and it sucks, because I have to move forward 
which then makes it a shorter walk for him. And yeah, no, that game was was real rough. The thing that probably turned the game into his favor was he depl- he threw a forest right in the middle of the table as his like third dream piece. Okay. When I had considered shoving something there because I saw the line that he was making and in my response I threw something in that line but I threw it too far back so he could fit his forest right there. So his two exocrines had a complete line of sight into my deployment zone. Oh, okay. But um, other than that, I deployed rather sheepishly, so I hid pretty well until I had to go first. And then it was like, well, I'm going to shove my Cleases here, and they're going to hopefully shoot at your exocrine and get one, if not both of them, as long as they don't die. Well, on turn two, yeah, on turn two, there was a moment where I had a chance to make a charge into four of his units with my Caladius that I knew was going to die next turn because he just killed my bike captain three bikes with just mortal wound with and during the psychic phase. Stupid spore mines. <laughs> yeah. But um, I had a chance to tag his Neurothrope, a unit of Gargoyles, and two units of Zonethropes with my Caladius if I made a seven-inch charge. I rolled a six. Oh. And then, yeah, because if I had made that one, he would have either had to smite the Caladius dead or fall back, which if I remember correctly, you can't fall back and do psychic power. I might be wrong. I'm not very familiar with the psychic phase, but I can look it up. I'm pretty sure that's it's my understanding is, yeah, fall back. You pretty much can't do anything. So, but I'll find out to make sure. But um, later, there was a chance that I could have caught his hive tyrant. I had four bikes go in there with my kata that says hey guess what we kill monsters out of i think it was either 25 or 30 attacks i rolled like nine one wow that's impressive and yes if you fall back you may not uh use psychic powers but i rolled not yeah i rolled like nine yeah nine ones to wound on this charge and i was wounding him on because i think he did the transhuman strat on the hive tyrant so he only had to make well he still had a whole bunch of saves he failed them all but he had catalyst this hive tyrant got to live with four and that essentially locked the game in his favor because he could just eat my bike squad and he had control of the table at that point so Mm. but yeah no then round three i got paired into eldar and that one i messed up target priority because i tried to kill a unit of rangers with a warlock i didn't kill either of them (laughs) oops i mean it was with one bike so yeah but no that one that game was pretty tight for the most part until i accidentally fed all of my bikes into the middle of the table where he charged my five-man squad and my other three-man squad with howling banshee striking scorpions karandas and baharoth there were two bikes left after that I'm surprised he clumped them all up that way. That's interesting. Okay. It was because of the fact that I was attempting to... Because if he didn't kill them entirely between the Banshees and Karandas and the Striking Scorpions, because Baharat didn't... But if I if he didn't kill them, I we both knew that I have an amount of attacks there that will just eat his Striking Scorpions and his Banshees for breakfast. Because they were just five mans. So at that point, I kill both of them. I'm still on the objective, and from there, I'm now in a position to send bikes deeper into his army to go and get things like Eldrad to go and get his D cannons and stuff like that. Right. So that was that was the play, but I I should have just been more conservative and fed him one bike unit instead of feeding him both. So got it. Yeah, that was a tactical error that we both pointed out, and even his name was Michael, 
great guy. He he and I both kind of went, yeah, no, you really didn't do anything else wrong outside of the the target priority back here and also the the placement of Trajan away from the middle of my forces because I was trying to do multiple banners. So, hmm. yeah, it was an oopsies and it was an honest oopsies that I, I was mad at myself about. But we live and we learn and everything will be okay. Cool. So overall, it sounds like you had fun at least, though. It still was, a, you know, three good games and something to learn from from each all three games. Except for the Tyranid one. That one, I was just like, well, <laughs> this is gonna suck. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I played against that kind of idea before of spore mines and huge mortal wound output. Because mm-hmm. Tyler was running nine zone throps and like one or two neurothropes. And I'm just like, bro, what is this nonsense? I got two units of zone throps though. I'm just trying, yeah, I've heard about this list, and then it's one of those things everyone has told me. You just don't know what it is until you've played it on the table. There's like no way to math hammer your way out of it. And um, so, we, what is to? Because zone throws still have four up involves. They're still pretty tough, and nine of them. Good God, how are you going to get through all of them? Weight of bullets. <laughs> yeah. Because the, I did have a unit. I did have a Caladius who affect he they were able to take down two of them effectively and got one down to like maybe two and then from there it was literally just i'm gonna keep throwing dice at these things until your only mortal wounds are that are left are the hive tyrant and it ended up getting to that point where at the end of the game he had one unit of zone throps left because of the fact that i lost both my caladius well i lost a caladius and all my bike so i couldn't effectively chase after the zone throps right but yeah, the playing against Kraken with that many zone throps, it's a really mean list because if it goes first, it's going to float forward and wait. It's just going to sit there and not do anything until you get closer. And then it's going to be, oh, here's the normal shenanigans of Hive Tyrant goes out. My zone throps do a minimum of like five mortal wounds or something because it's D3 plus however many models are in the unit mortal wounds from their smites. And they can get a whole bunch of pluses to cast. So on average, I think Tyler was throwing around like D6 plus three mortal wounds all the time. And it it was just rough. And my four up feel no pain to mortal wounds helped a little bit. But again, four ups. So I can't exactly rely on those. I just need to throw bullets at them and hopefully they fall down. (laughs) So one thing that always comes up, especially with Tyler, is did he actually leave his deployment zone? I mean, it's one thing he's known for is kind of staying back and forcing you to come to him or was that what the now the, the spore mines did is basically was create a new screen no the the spore mines as he produced them were effectively just fodder he would continuously throw them at people just so that way oh like they, he killed my captain in the psychic phase but he actually killed the bike the unit of bikes that was with him with like six mines and then a hive tyrant so it was definitely a well not looking good for me because i lost that flank entirely because i had sent that unit to kill a paid for unit of spore mines and a pyrovore because of the fact that he could walk on to that objective effect and that was a smart thing to do because of the fact that it just removed it forced him to put something back in that corner Otherwise, I could sit in that corner all game, or I could fly into his Raveners, shoot them with missiles, and then potentially charge into the Hive Tyrant before the Hive Tyrant can come and kill me. Right. So it was a 
I feel that that was the right choice, but my terrain placement is what got me because I couldn't hide from the Exocrines, which means I had to walk on either side of this fence that was their shoot. Interesting. Okay. So yes, he did leave his deployment zone with with gargoyles <laughs> and a hive tyrant, but that's about it. <laughs> Everything else didn't really serve a purpose because my my army died to zone tropes and it died to spore money. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to uncover that un- unlock that uh puzzle of how do you you know get around this you know it says oh just kill that well how do you get to that to kill it you know mm-hmm. i mean you mentioned weight of bullets with the zoanthropes i don't have weight of bullets in my my codex so i'm like oh all right um unless you do like mass poison shots but even then at that point you lose out on trying being able to effectively kill stuff like the hive tyrant and other big things yeah, well, actually, uh, there are, against Tyranids, you can still do it because what kills the High Tyrant will kill the Zoanthropes, you know, because of the poison mm-hmm. shots. The problem is, is the very next game, oh, you have a Armor of Contempt? Yeah, I'm screwed because all those mass poison shots are AP minus one. So now you're like, oh, <laughs> you've got two up saves wherever you are in cover. Oh, awesome. Thank you. So it is definitely a... The, the nine zone throw list is definitely a mean one because of the fact that it is it is hard to counter because of the fact that they have the the ability to bounce around their powers to affect whoever they need to and then the 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 range of smite and everything else because they can just float forward and like I I took bring it down because I couldn't think of anything better to take because the hive tyrant and double exocrine and the spore assist that's 10 points and I'm gonna have to deal with the hive tyrant the exocrines if I kill those then at that point I can kind of play around the zone throats because of the fact that I can just stay I can kind of shoot away from them right but it was definitely not a it definitely wasn't a clear winning path to dealing with that list because the exoc chasing after big monsters didn't really do it if I were to chase after psychers I would have to try and chase around that neurothrope and that stinking bug has a three up in and is obviously character protected which at that point he just puts them behind a wall of gargoyles which is what I have to chew through right. and while I'm chewing through it he's just smiting me for like five or six damage and it's just not a whole lot that I can do there hmm. so interesting say, Cause, yeah because I'm still thinking okay you're still back to your weight of fire is that still seems to be the way to do it and so I'm like okay guard has weight of fire um, I'm trying to think of other armies that would really do well into this list. I'm like, oh, okay. Like so. Admech could do it a little bit now that they have access to a lot of their strats and prior capabilities again. Um, Tau could probably do it because they have really effective shooting. Um, the it, It's just really hard to think of because I if I were to play Knights into that list, I Knights would basically automatically lose because of the fact that okay, I just lose two armagers during your psychic. Sure, I have range, but at that point, we're both playing the same game of, welp, who's going to leave their deployment zone first and potentially lose? Right. And sure, I, if I can see a unit of zone throps with like two or three of my Moiraxes, okay, we're going to make that unit have exploding sixes against it, and I'm just going to continue rolling lightning, lightning locks until they're dead. Because I'm wounding you on threes, and you're forced to your invul and just keep rolling dice until you die but if you're playing something with only high strength shots so if you bring a whole bunch of meltas if you bring a whole bunch of last cannon it's not going to do much to those zone throps which is the keystone of that list because you have good stuff built around it and then spore mines screw that spore assist screw it so much (laughs) (laughs) 
never thought I would say that about a terrain piece. Technically, it's a fortification, but anyway. <laughs> it's a terrain piece. It's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was my that was my event on Saturday. I ended up coming in eighth out of like 10 people because of the fact that my two games I scored pretty low for my losses. But I guess that was, that's what happens when you score real high round one. You accidentally walk into the thing that wins the event. <laughs> so... Icarus effect, as we call it. So, are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extreme House Podcast. Let's take a look at some of the larger events from the weekend. So we had two events that we noticed that were uh, attracted some of the larger names and um, personalities of the ITC community. Uh, where do we want to start first, Robert? Well, seeing as on the Best Coast Pairings redone website, I can't find the one that's across the pond, like period at all. I don't know if it's because my computer is like, I don't like Britain anymore. <laughs> Let me see if I can find on them on the other app. Let's go with the first one then. Yep, so good old Warzone Atlanta. Yeah, this is one of the real hallmarks of the South, uh, southeastern United States meta. Uh, it's there's a, one of the few, the whole war math, the Warzone, uh, yes, I believe I said that correctly, uh, series is one of the original regional circuits that has, has sprung up. And um, this also event was also made famous by um, Adam Abramovitz with his podcast. That he was, and it's probably something we haven't talked about in a while, but one of the uh, great things about this hobby, you know, from a competitive standpoint is there's no genetic makeup you know, that makes you pre to be better at this game. 
this isn't like basketball. If you're five foot three, you're going to have to really struggle if you really want to make it to the upper echelons of professional basketball. Anyone can play this game. And that podcast is a great way of describing how he set out a goal. I want to be uh, best, best, best overall. And uh, he, so he worked on his painting. He learned how to play the game and he was, his goal was to win it at Warzone Atlanta. And it's a great story to read this in or listen to it in this podcast. So once again, we have another year of Warzone Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about our top five this year. Well, it's kind of hard to discern the top five because a whopping one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people all supposedly tied for third place. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Remember they had some kind of goofy shadow round type thing. So I'm just trying to figure out what that. Yeah, so looking at the overall records of everyone, everyone got to play seven rounds, which was, that's a lot to ask. But I mean, I'm also used to playing eight rounds when I go to the Dallas Open, which I will sadly not be attending next year. Because, Ooh. hey, I'm trying to go to... <laughs> I'm just trying to bum a ride, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so the top five, we have a name that we've had a pop up here before. We have Lee Harris. Hey! Um, he was playing Chaos Knights. We have Stephen Mitchell, who was playing Black Legion. This is the only issue with the updated site. They don't easily show off what faction they were playing on some of them, because they don't, I don't think they listed themselves as a faction. In third place, we have Brett the Kadachan Urbanowski with Astro Militarum. That's very fitting for him. I've never seen him play anything else. And then the top two placings, we have Nick Nadavati in second and John Lennon in first. Nick was playing Eldar, as I assume he normally does, because it sounds like Eldar is his favorite faction. And then John is playing High Fleet Kraken. But here's the downside, Eric. Yes. Every single one of these people did not submit a list. That's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. But yes, uh, Nick's known for his his Eldar. That's kind of what made him famous. And then he's kind of branched out from there. But... uh, all right then. So yeah, if we ever have a good chance to look back at those lists, we'll take a we'll do that at a later date. But there we go. So yep. So the one game that I do want to point out that just has me astounded at how you could score this low and still win it is Colin Watts. He came in effectively sixth, seventh, eighth. He effectively came in ninth place. If you look at his round three. He won with four points. All right. There's defensive 40K, and that just sounds amazing. Yeah. How does that happen? Because Mike Steele, oh, my God, the only person to submit a list so far. Thank goodness. (laughs) So he was playing into what looks like salamanders, and this is, okay, a big brick of Vanguard vets, a couple of eradicators, a five-man Hellblaster squad, apothecary centurions. So very much like salamander kind of good stuff. Okay. Um, he was, but he was playing into demons. So, hmm. and oh my god, even Colin Watts has a list. Thank goodness. Yeah. Actually, you know what? On the phone app, it has all the lists. You want me to? Ah, write? then it is just their updated website that it shows list unsubmitted. But if you click on the green list icon on the website, it actually has their list. So I guess it's just a bug. Yeah. But how do you only score four points? What like, uh, round was that? Let me see if I can find Round it. three. All right. Give me one second here. Round three. And Mr. Watts, correct? Yep. Colin Watts. It's a yeah, 4-2 loss. Interesting. Um, I wonder if they have any other information. Apparently, that is all they had to report. So 
I'm looking, is there any other? No, everybody else looks like they're using standard ITC scoring. So, or uh, Nephilim scoring, I should say. Very odd. Very, very odd indeed. There's a few other weird scores here. Luke Scholl, Walter B. Jackson Hickey, uh, 47 to 39. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's a... Here's another one. Um, somebody got shut out. That's pretty crazy. Oh, like a 100 to 0? It was like 80-something to 0. Uh, Travis Springman beat uh, Matt Hurd in that same round, 29 to 27. Sounds more like a football score than a 40K score. <laughs> very odd. But uh, let's take a look at those top lists so everybody can get a quick reference. So John Lennon and him taking the event going 7-0 and with High Fleet Kraken. Uh, his list looks something like this. He starts off with a um, patrol of... Let's see what I got here. So uh, to the non-associated uh, slots. Three Tyrant Guard as well as uh, three Zoanthropes. Uh, HQ units, a Neurothrope, and a Winged Hive Tyrant. I'm assuming because he takes the Neurothrope, the Zoanthropes don't take up a slot. Is that what the deal mm-hmm. is? Okay. Same thing with the Tyrant Guard and the Hive Tyrant. The, the important thing, though, to look on this Hive Tyrant, though, it looks like he still has the Adrenal Gland, Slash Open Monstrous Bone Sword. He has Catalyst and Paroxysm. But instead of taking the Reaper of Obliterax, he takes the Maw Claws of Thyrax. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell that is. I'll have to look that one up. Uh, I'll look it up while you continue reading the list, sir. Sounds good. I have really fast fingers. You do. Uh, troop choice, 10 units, uh, 10 units, that'd be amazing. One unit of 10 gargoyles. Elites, uh, three venom throws, all with toxic lashes. Uh, zone throws, another unit of three. Then in the fast attack slot, one, two, three, four. Two units of five raveners. In the heavy support slot, three biovores. And he opens up a second Kraken patrol. Uh, this one, he uses the high predator extra warlord trait as well as our rarefied enhancements as a bio artifact. Uh, again, three Tyrant Guards, uh, Winged Hive Tyrant, what's he got here? Adrenal Glands, Lash Whip, and Monstrous Bone Sword, Onslaught, Psychic Scream, Synaptic Lure, and there's the Reaper. Reaper. There's the Reaper. Followed okay. by, yeah, Unit of Four Warriors and Death Leaper. Yep. So he is definitely leaning more into the Raveners, benefiting hugely from Kraken, making them move insanely fast. I think when Tyler played them, he rolled an advanced roll. Um, he rolled a one, and they still move seventeen inches. <laughs> but um, so the the other relic that he took besides the Reaper, because the Reaper did get a touch in the recent of capping the mortal wounds that the sword can do. I think it got capped to like three, is what they capped it off at. Yes, they did cap it off at because the Warhammer app actually has the updated FAQ on it. It's nice. So the Maw Claws of Thyrax it naturally gives the bearer an extra attack. And when it makes a melee attack, it can naturally re-roll a wound roll, like all of its. And each time that model destroys an enemy unit by a melee attack, it gets an extra attack added to its character. So it's the so you can have a super killy hive tyrant that can just get super scary if it can eat small squads, because it can get up to like seven attack space. I think it can get up to eight attack space. Which is gnarly. Yeah, that's quite a few. It seems like an MSU killer. Yeah, the eight attack is interesting. Yeah, and yeah, especially when we're seeing the new CODIS designs where you're really restricting unit sizes more and more. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it has, it has strong counterplay into demons, it has strong power counterplay into Tau if they bring a whole bunch of fire warriors. It also plays well into Guard who want to bring MSU. So, yeah. That's that's cracking for you. Interesting. It's uh, 
is a very mean looking list. Yeah, it's got the nine zone throw ups, which we'd already discussed. So interesting. And well, of course, when I looked it over, I thought it only had six. Um, it had one unit of three in the each of the the bonus slots because it took the neurothrope in the uh, HQ slot, and then in one of the the first patrol, he took him as an elite slot as well. Ah, uh, okay. Then it was one of because he had two units of. Tyrant Guard in the no force orc slots, one in each attachment, and then just the two units of zone throws. Take a look. Maybe got that backwards. Yeah, because he has a unit yep, of right. venom throw. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. He has a unit of venom throws for the minus one to hit bubble, which is super helpful. So he has six. I'm sorry about that. Ah, you're good. That thing is still mean. Yeah. <laughs> Screw those cycles. And then look at next list of Eldari. Interesting list here as well. Uh, again, Craft World Patrol uh, with Swift Strike and Masterful Shots. I have to look those up again. I don't remember. I have a want to say it's exploding sixes and sixes to wound do extra AP, but I'm not sure on that. Uh, it includes a Farseer on Skyrunner. I'll try that again. The Skyrunner Farseer is what I'm trying to say with Doom and Faithful Divergence, which is the one that generates um, extra command points. And then the second Farseer looks like he's on foot with Guide and Focus Will. as a Whirler trait, two Warlocks with Quicken and Restrain. A Warlock Skyrunner with a Project and Jinx, a unit of five Rangers, a unit of five Striking Scorpions, uh, with Biting Blade and Crushing Blow. I think that's code for there's an Exarch in there. Uh, mm-hmm. it's five Howling Banshees with Mirror Swords and Crone Scream. I think it's Crone Scream, not Chrome. That sounds very cyberpunk. But once again, I think that means the Exarch, not the actual Howling Banshees. Nine Swooping Hawks. And then the second patrol, also Swift Strike and Masterful Shots, including Bahara. Uh, Farseer uh, Skyrunner with Will of Asurin and Ghostwalk. Of course he does. 20 Guardians, 9 Swooping Hawks with a Phoenix Plume and Winged Evasion, 3 Shadow Runners, 10 Dire Avengers, and 5 Howling Banshees along with the Webway Gate. So to answer your curiosity, Masterful Shots is the no light cover. Okay. I remember something plus one. Yeah. And then Swift Strikes is in the shooting phase when a unit is selected to shoot, unless it fell back. It So basically... He ignores light cover and he counts as remaining stationary. Okay. Hmm. I'm not sure how that benefits this list. I'm not seeing that, but okay. Um, maybe it has something to do with allowing him to battle focus. Because I know battle focus can only be really if you don't advance and if you don't fall back, I think. And depending on how it works with abilities that count you as remaining stationary, it could potentially allow you to always battle focus because you count as remaining stationary only as long as you don't fall back. That might be the case. So I have to look at that a little more closely. But uh, yeah, because most of their weapons are assault. That's why I was like, well, why do you care if you're... Because you, that allows you to battle focus and shoot all the time. So you're probably right if you count. Yeah, I've looked that up. That sounds about right. But I think we definitely need to talk about the, the guard-shaped elephant that is Brett the Catachance list. Because this is the first... I think the first time that we've actually seen a guard list that has appeared in the wild since their new book has come out. Well, I don't just... know. Yeah, let's about to take a look at this and see if it actually is, and it is indeed using the new codex. So let's yeah, let's take a look at this. Yep. So the regimental doctrine bonuses are gunnery experts and spotter and spotter details. I don't have the book. I don't know what they are. So you viewers that have the codex can go. It's these things, you ding dong, in the in the comments on YouTube, on Facebook, or you can message me directly and call me a ding dong, where I'll laugh at it and I'll say thanks. <laughs> So he does spend a CP for a tank ace, and his HQs are a company commander with implacable nation. I don't know what that is. Again, you can all call me a ding-dong for not knowing. 
but he has two tank commanders with demolisher siege cannons. I believe that's the head. That's like the a bunch of shots one, along with heavy bolter. And then his troop squad troop slots are filled with one, two, three, four, five, six infantry squads. Very, very guard. And they each have a mortar. They have a boxcaster, melts a gun, power sword, like all the free upgrades. Yay! Oh, whopping noxious. Yeah, you can get ten bodies for an Alorus Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Plasma gun, last cannon, Voxcaster, and then the leader is plasma pistol and power sword, all for sixty bucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the elite slots, he has one, two, three command squad. Two of them are three veterans, are three body strong. One of them is four. And then the heavy support choice is a single Lehman Rust demolisher, so another bucket of dice gun, two Manticores. Um, one of them is given a hunter killer missile and the tank ace full payload so that's where that goes a couple of chimeras and then into a patrol i forgot how many models this army can take holy jesus so he has a tank commander again with a demolisher siege cannon two more squads of infantry and a platoon commander and then a third patrol okay so i think he changes up no the second patrol is the same of gunnery experts and spotter. Once you get to the third detachment, he puts them as the ninth Iodin Gorgons, which I'm assuming is Scions. Yeah. So it's a primary Psyker, two units of Scions, and a weird vein Psyker. It's a unit of three of them. That's actually kind of wild. That is a lot of infantry. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of bodies. Yeah. I don't think my custodes would be able to chew through that fast enough. Yeah, my knights? Be- maybe, but not my custodes. That's a good point. You need to think about that because there's how many games we just talked about earlier. How many games are really won or lost just because yeah, it was close for three, four turns and then I just ran out of guys. He's not running out of guys. so Yeah, and the command squads, I believe in the new guard codec, the command squads are actually carrots. So you can't just pick them off all willing. Well, that'd be unfortunate. Huh. I, I might be thinking of a different command squad where they can take like an Ogden bodyguard and a whole bunch of these other things, but still, dude, that's a lot of body. Like with a Cleus, I can maybe wound two infantry squads, maybe make them fail morale. Um, my my bike squads will just delete one in melee, but <laughs> that's just a lot of bodies. I don't think I'd be able to do anything about that. Just doing a quick count here. Th- I'm gonna, <laughs> he had eight uh, infantry squads. Which were each ten bodies strong, yeah. so that's already eight. Um, and then it's up around one hundred and forty. Yeah, ten bodies between all the command squads, so that puts it up to ninety. Another at least ten bodies for the scions, for that. So that's a hundred bodies. And yeah, no, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of wounds for you. Yeah, some of the notables that uh, did not make the top ten: um, Thomas Bird coming in. Looks like. Uh, so Lee the was, crazy, the crazy Lee type was, of third. <laughs> yeah, Lee was fifth, so sixth, seventh. Thomas Bird came in effectively eighth. Okay, so Seth Oster also in uh, looks like twelfth spot. Uh, both of them playing uh, Emir conglomerate. Excuse me, easy for me to say. Yep. Uh, Thomas Reedy coming in with Chaos Space Marines, uh, also in the do- down in twelfth spot. There, he had four wins, so make it easier that way. Mark Etch with Kairos Diamonds, also with four wins. And uh, Mark Perry of Art of War also with four wins with a Chaos Soup list. Interesting. Yep. I can't wait until they do something about Zeech Flamers. I haven't played the, against them yet, but dear God, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not fun. It's, it... Oh, and I just realized, Eric, there's actually a second Astro Militarum that 
by Andrew Whitaker. No association to Mark Whitaker here in the Valley. I sure hope not, because I don't want to find his long-lost brother and have him go, say what? <laughs> They're not talking anyway. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that. so we saw two guard in the what is presumably top 10 players, and we saw at least one Votan. So I think the Votan nerf came in a little hot. I'd be curious to see if they what they repeal back or what comes out of it. But um, we definitely are expecting a nerf on the Flamers of Zeech. That's for sure. We've heard that um, a few times on the Metal Watch videos with Stu Black and Mike Brandt. So when that will happen, don't know. And um, But I hope they do it soon. Uh, not that I, I'm hoping other players get their stuff nerfed so I can have... It's more get it ready before LVL. Mm. That, would, that would suck if somebody's painting, you know, 40 of them and all of a sudden it's like, uh, yeah, they don't do that anymore. Oh, oh crap. Oh, new list. <laughs> yep. But now let's go find this mysterious event that you were able to find on your end and not mine. Yep. So the Leicester 40K Super uh, Major, this is part of the London GT circuit uh, that's going on there. It's pretty much a virtual who's who of the Warhammer community in uh, the great English Isles there. So they did have a top cut where the top four players after uh, five rounds uh, were brought to the top and just some notable names that end up going five and zero but did not make the top uh, final cut. Mike Porter with his Harlequins, uh, Josh Roberts with thousand sons, David Gaylord with thousand sons, all of them going uh, uh, five and zero and were not good enough to make it to the final cut. Other notables, Mark Krubelholm, who uh, playing Necrons. Well, so what, what was this rather change? He used to be known as Mr. Uh, Eldar for the England. He came in 11th with four wins. A little further down. Um, give me one second. got to find him again. Uh, there he is. Polly Wallace from uh, Real Space Raiders, who uh, one of my favorite podcasts that have not released anything since the summer. So I don't know what's up going, guys. But he ended up coming uh, in 37th place with four wins with Drukhari. So... Meanwhile, let's talk about the top five. Top four, rather. Top four looks something like this. This was a single elimination once you got to the top four, so losing in the first round. Uh, fourth place, Jacob Wistrup with Thousand Sons. Nassim Foshan, that's right, he's been lurking about the uh, bottom half of the top ten. He was still able to make it to the top four. Brian Seep ended up losing in the finals to with uh, Orcs to none other than Vic Vijay with a chaos list. Yep, so we get to see all of the the uk folks starting to go guess what we're still here we're still doing stuffs we're doing stuffs here so what does that stuffs look like uh start with Vic vijay's winning list thousand sons with demons he's got a cult of duplicity unit uh yeah excuse me detachment of battalion to be exact featuring Aramon. hey haven't seen him in a while good to have him back an exalted sorcerer uh, with uh, Doombolt and uh, Gaze of Hate. I've seen that Gaze of Hate several times. Usually came from the person at the DMV. But anyway, exalted sorcerer is probably a little more powerful. Infernal Master, as well as in the troop slot, he has one, two, three, four, five, six units of five Rubik Marines. All of them uh, kitted out with uh, Aspiring Sorcerer with Glamour of Zeech. Actually, no, he missed, mixed them up. He's got quite a few different powers in there as well as four Rubik Marines with Infernal Bolt Guns. He also, in the Elite slot, has a unit of 10 Scarled Occult Terminators. Um, the leader, the Sorcerer, does have Temporal Surge, Imperial Guidance, a Force Staff and Infernal Combi Bolter, 
Seven of them have the fancy blade, which I cannot pronounce, the Phosphorine Kopesh in Infernal Kami Bolter. And he's got two of them with a Soul Reaper Cannon with Hellfire Missile Racks. But wait, he's not done. He adds yeah, in yeah, a, yeah, Vanguard of Zinch. The Vanguard of Zinch featuring a Fate Skimmer. Not one, not two, three units of flamers for a total of 14 flamers. So yes, I was able to find the event, Eric. I was spelling the name wrong. I was forgetting the I. Oh, there we go. Because it was Lancaster, not Lester. Well, it's pronounced Lester. <laughs> ah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, just like here in, in the States, it's it's not Worcester, it's Worcester, Massachusetts. So it's very similar. So yeah, exciting. Something different kind of come spooked out i mean it's it's literally thousand suns plus flamers is the way i see it because thousand suns can be scary with that many bottle with that many bodies into armor contempt and i've seen people do some tricky teleporting stuff but that was also when they were playing like two units of terminators to throw one over the side of the table and then have the other one kind of be the home base guys right but yeah we got a lot of staying power in the Thousand Suns list, and you got a lot of firepower from the demons. And it's kind of how I've always pictured Chaos Space Marine armies to be. I never, you know, I get the whole cultist thing, but to me, it's a lot cooler to throw the demons as the expendable chaff. And but you have to deal with it because they do actually pack a punch if you don't deal with them. So, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's getting harder and harder to do. I, I was looking at my old Fifth Edition Chaos Space Marine list, and I realized, well four of the units don't exist anymore so it's like oh okay <laughs> but yeah it's i don't blame anyone for playing this kind of list because this is very much a solid list because the rubric marine the soul reaper can still hurt their inferno bolt guns hurt a lot because naturally being ap2 throws people off a lot and then the terminators are just terrifying because they're hard to crack. And as you're trying to focus down all these Marines, you're looking at 14 Zinch Flamers that are just going to melt your entire army to nothing. Yep. And Vic quite literally found the perfect math of doing exactly 25% of your list. Because <laughs> exactly 500 points of Demons and, five, and 1,500 points of Thousand Suns. Not a point to spare. Yeah, look it up here. This how nasty are chaos or uh, flamers of each here? I'm just gonna look them up. Just so for fun. they are strength five, toughness four. They're each three. They have a six up demon save to melee. They have a three up demon save to shooting attacks. Their weapon is the obviously the Zinch flame breath. It is D six plus three strength user AB two one damage automatically hitting shot. Bah, bro. Yeah, I know. I read the sheet last night because I was I was explaining it all to my to my girlfriend after the tournament and telling her exactly how gross these things are for twenty five points a piece. I never don't remember them being three wounds. That's the part I'm like, what? Because because back in the old days, they were like, I think they were one wound back in the old. Yeah, they they just vaporized. So wow. it was. It was, yeah, no, they are mean and they are overly efficient. I think I might have gotten the wounds wrong, but I remembered most of it off the top of my head. Yeah. Nope, they are each three wounds. Yeah. It's obnoxious. And three attacks to go with this, so you can't just, like, bomp them and they're not <laughs> bomp them in close combat. They're, they're, assuming you get there, of course, with freaking Overwatch. That's the hard part. And they also fly 12 inches. And they're infant. So you can't even really pin them down. Nope, 12-inch range. Ah. Yep. It's, I think it's just the sheer math of, sheer math that comes out of that unit. 
because a unit of five that is 15 plus 5d6 automatic hitting shots at strength five so that's wounding most marine equivalents on three and they will have four up armor saves because of armor of contempt and you can only make so many four ups before you die yeah i mean that's what i'm looking at that. i was wondering if they were the damage of the flamers was higher but it was it's that that plus uh you know to the number of shots is makes them incredibly reliable so yeah it's not until you get to the exalted flamers they have scarier scarier flames but they're only like a unit of one and there's 75 points of so you can get one exalted flamer for the price of and they just don't and so i don't think you get three times the number of shots so it's kind of like what's the point yeah no you can either have three shots at 18 inches with the blue flame for strength nine ap4 flat three damage or you can have a normal 2d6 flamer which is Strength six AP two and one damage from a single model. Mm. Definitely not worth it. I would much in competitive sense, I'd much rather have the the three extra bodies where I can get a minimum of twelve shots. The mass is just there. Yeah, just there. And then yeah, that strength five is an it's interesting tipping point because you mentioned marine equivalents, but you then start talking about you're going you're still able to wound some of the bigger stuff on fives. You know, you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, pretty much anything less than toughness 10. So most of your vehicles, most of your monsters, you're still doing a lot of damage. So Yeah, and I think there's a power that exists for Zinch Demon Casters that can give plus one. Do- Ow. That would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. Well, all right then. So guess what? All these events have now been tabulated into the ITC Top 10. So you're, op- you're up to date ITC top 10 rankings are as follows. 10th place from the Midwest, Ben Sherwin at 1,344 points. 9th place from the show, Colin McDade. 8th place, Manny Chima. 7th place, we mentioned him earlier in the Lester GT. Nassim Fushan moves up uh, two spots. Uh, just above him, Mike Porter, uh, one of the players who just missed the cut. Uh, coming in 6th place. 5th place, Thomas Ogden, who was idle this past weekend. Fourth place, David Gaylord. Uh, third place, John Lennon with his big win. Jack Harpster falls out of the top spot and surrenders that by uh, six points to Vic Vijay, who is the big winner at Leicester GT. Vic leads the ITC currently with 1,469 points. Very interesting. Yep. It's a, That's a big shakeup because I think Vic was down to, what, fourth place with that? Yeah. The, the, I'm trying to remember There's because of the whole big... Um, conglomerate of uh those the three between vic uh, manny and uh, david there were always hovering there in the top five I forgot who was where each mm-hmm. week but uh the fact that but it seemed like jack harpster was just completely unobtainable you know it was just like he was every time he wins an event one of the other guys wins an event so it just it was this constant stalemate so we'll see if this holds it's only a fraction of a lead and of course the big thing is um will both players be attending uh, LVO, which will be a big mm-hmm. stepping stone there. Yep. The the one thing that I do want to touch on before we get towards the end of the show is I'm pretty sure you guys have seen on the internet the big scary angry red man himself, Mr. Angron. His date, his profile got showed off. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about James Workshop because that commercial is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> no, 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 no. James Workshop. James Workshop is not the big angry red man. He's the cheerful red git. You do. They they did outdid themselves this year. That that commercial is hilarious. <laughs> 
So, Eric, have you actually looked at Angron's data sheet that got leaked on the internet? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, that's that is quite the stat block for three supposedly supposedly two points. I can talk. Yeah, um, let's talk. Just how about the fact his sweep attack option gives you thirty six attacks? <laughs> I'll roll an entire brick of dice. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they're strength nine, that's that's what gets me. I understand that the new goal, the new toughness goal that people want to try and achieve to be really hard to hurt is toughness nine, like the Chaos Land Raider and the potential to get the Hecaton Land Fortress up to toughness nine. Otherwise, like toughness eight is just a like, it's the breaking point for a lot of things, but it's not the end of the world because you can give things plus one to wound to get up to fours or you can potentially get yourself extra a whole bunch of extra strength and still get to fours nine at that point just become you think is a silly number but it's a that's another huge step because at that point strength five needs plus four strength to even wound you on four and not very many things can get that much strength value yeah i I guess my biggest is the strength nine on the sweep attack is where is if i did i read that correctly yeah it's strength user and he's base strength nine he is a big angry red man yeah that's the part because yeah when you start getting into this oh it's strength this and okay so if it's strength 16 okay you're wounding toughness eight on twos if it's a dedicated anti-tank weapon okay great you know it's now let's, let's talk about the damage and the whole picture of all that. It's, but, you know, especially some of those are more veteran players. We never saw anything higher than toughness 10, you know, or strength 10 in a weapon. It, it makes a little more sense. But yeah, uh, 36 attacks at strength 9. Oh. Yep, you're going to bonk a whole lot of guardsmen on twos. <laughs> uh, I know my personal opinion. I do plan on owning the Angron model because it's a beautiful model and I'm going to paint it so happy because it's beautiful, but it is definitely uh, the way the army kind of thematically plays. It's very much the, we don't got a lot of shooting. So here's Angron and rhinos. And hopefully we don't die on the way there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you invest in the Angron, otherwise that's 360 points of extra dudes, which is interesting because we're seeing a lot of uh, chaos players dropping Abaddon and, this is right around that same price point and adding, wow, I have more tools now. And they're, they're kind of swapping this. It's about 50, 50. Now the armies that have Abaddon versus those that don't. So I'll be curious is Angron, the new Abaddon. I'm not going to assume so because for Angron to actually be scary, but the way the supposed blood tithe works in world leaders, there is a blood tithe table bonus that you can literally say, I threw Angron at you once. I want you to have a second helping and you can resurrect Angron. And I don't think they clarified if he's going to be at full or half wound, but having the ability to just resurrect a 360 point model that can just ha- bash your half of your opponent's army. That's uh, well, that's a little out there. It's interesting. I did. I mean, I'm curious to see more, you know, get some more, information on the blood tithe because i remember that was one of the coolest things with the uh the old corn demon kin codex mm-hmm. that was a really neat system and um there's quite a few other codices out there i thought that could really benefit from a similar system both thematically as well as tactically but yeah it's um it seems again it seems very skewing i guess that's the biggest thing i was kind of surprised by because um back in the old epic days corn did actually have some shooting units 
and I was kind of hoping some of them would be translated into 40K with this new codex. And it just seems like we've got assault and we've got more assault. And when you're done with that, we are going to assault you. And I was like, mm, okay. Which, I mean, at that point, that's just how they thematically kind of play. That's how most people know them nowadays. But yeah, them losing out on a lot of the Chaos Space reshooting just means you might have to do the the souping of here's my world eaters and here's some chaos space marine soup for a shooting base kind of thing and hopefully there's a way that you don't have to break your battle forge bonus so that way you can still get things like the blood tithe and right. other stuff like that yeah but here's to see what is the you know the law you know the balance between what do you lose by souping versus not so or you know you could just bring abaddon angron magnus and maybe even mortarian Scarbrand. <laughs> Given you have the points, um, between Angron and Abaddon, that's only 660 points. Sure. Why not? Yeah, bring all of <laughs> all the demon fire marks in Abaddon. Yeah. Just I didn't want to wait for the Tetrad to be re-released. I'm just gonna bring it back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the last thing I know I wanted to touch on because I'm very excited for Angron, even though I don't really want to play a chaos space marine because that's power armor and i hate painting power armor and don't even get me started on trim <sighs> again i'm just like yeah with my piddly ap1 weapons i'm just like yeah okay <laughs> hey, i know eric you live in the past it's okay it's okay we had our moment in the sun it was fun for a while <laughs> but yeah so anyway yeah looking at some of this i'm like oh okay so pretty uh, <sighs> Have we seen what the new Corn Berserkers bring in terms of their stat line? Uh, no. I don't. If they have, it was a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure it is just something along the lines of they get up to like strength six. They have an extra attack built into their characteristic, I think. So now I think they're base three attacks each or something. I don't remember, okay. quite honest. All right. Yeah, because some reason I want to say they're five attacks each, but that might be wrong. I don't, I don't remember. We will see it soon, hopefully in the new in springtime. Uh, last bit here. Um, any inklings of what is going on with the uh, arcs of omen? With all the, the we've got four cards revealed right at this point. I'm still pretty puzzled in terms of figuring what what to expect of this. There is actually five now. Oh, what's the fifth one? The fifth one. Is hopefully, the audio doesn't come up on the podcast because i'm gonna have to watch the can you hear the video on your side eric or no? i cannot okay so it is the great host oh so before it even shows off the card it says in i'm assuming gothic the infernum legionis oh boy and the card itself is <laughs> yeah it's it's basically a totem of um of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wolf heads stuck on spears in front of like a a red pyramid kind of behind it. So it's like, is this talking about Thousand Suns and Space Wolves? Is this talking about the um the marine demons, whatever those were called? Oh, the um Legion of the Damned. Yes, those guys. So but the the wolf heads that are on the spears, they all still look alive and very, very angry. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if this is finally uh catching up with the storyline that we talked about in um 
Psychic Whiteninks, remember when the Dark uh, Dark Angels pretty much bombed the Space Owls' home planet? So, uh, yeah, they bombed Fenris. Curious. Interesting. Space Marine Civil War? Ah. Be a very interesting way to open up the uh, plot lines for possibly a new edition. Well, we will see card number six this week, won't we? I hope so. Hey, I'm just number five. We'll have to check that out. All right. Anything else to add before we wrap things up? Nope. Not a thing. All right. So if you have a chance to take on 36 Strength Line of Text, let me know how that feels. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. (laughs) 